Lord, thank you for the opportunity for us to pause and remember again this morning what the church is all about. That in fact, it isn't a place, but it's a people. It's us. Thank you for the opportunity this morning to remember together why it is that we exist, why it is you've placed us together in this family. So Lord, we invite you to lead us, to remind us, to encourage and challenge us by your spirit as we open our hearts to you. We pray in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Well, I want to begin this morning by telling you a story. I ran into a man um, about a month ago, somebody that I know who works on the staff of another church in town. And he said, hey, can I share with you something that I think you might find really encouraging? And boy, was it. I think what he shared with me is one of the most encouraging things I have heard about covenant in the 23 years that we've been here. So here's what he shared. He said that someone else on his staff came back to a staff meeting and told him and the others on his staff about an interaction that he had with someone in the community. And as it happens, it was at a healthcare facility, but I'm just going to keep all the details vague because the point of this isn't to try to figure out who this was, uh, but rather to hear what is behind this story. So in this facility, a woman who works there came and sat down with him and just spent some time interacting with him. So I'll tell you the story now from the perspective of the man who was telling this to my friend. This is what he said. Right from the start... There was a distinctive something, a a quality about the way that this woman related to me. She was warm and she related comfortably to me. But more than that, it was obvious to me that her focus was really on me rather than on herself or just on the task that she was trying to do. She, She took time to get to know me asking me questions, and then as I answered, listening really carefully and following those questions up with other questions, I felt like she was genuinely interested in what I had to say. And that I really mattered to her. That I wasn't just a patient, but I was a person. And beneath all of that, there was a a something more. Uh, This this intangible quality that was present in her, that was compelling and just kind of drew me in. In the course of the conversation, she asked me questions about about my family, about uh, how long I'd lived in the community, my interests, what I did for work. When I told her that I was uh, on the staff of a church, she said that she was part of a church family too. I asked, which church? She said, covenant. And I said, of course you are. And then he said to his friend, every person I've met from covenant out in this community in the past two or three years has had that same intangible quality about them. And then he said this, 
That's the kind of person that we want to be forming as a church and sending out into our community. A loving person whose presence and whose way of relating impacts our community in a positive and transforming way. Wow, glory to God. And bless you, my brothers and sisters in this church family, who put on display the love of God to your neighbors, to the people that you work with, people at school, with strangers, on behalf of people who can't defend themselves, you are beautiful, Covenant. On the first Sunday of 2020, on January 5th, I preached a sermon, some of you may remember it, uh, that I called The Wonders of His Love, A Vision for the Church. I began the sermon by asking two questions. What do we want to be known for as a church in this community? And if our church were to suddenly disappear overnight, would we be missed? And if so, what would we be missed for? In that sermon, I shared the, that the leaders of covenant believe that God is calling us, was calling us coming into the new year to spend the year focusing on becoming a church known more for its love than for anything else. You may remember that we were going to spend the first two or three months of the year focusing on God's love for us. And as part of that, I called the church together to memorize the, the Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 and then to be praying that for each other every day. And then we were going to turn and spend the remainder of the year and maybe even more time shifting our focus from how God loves us to how we are called to love others, or really more accurately, how God wants to love others through us. Well, who would have guessed that two and a half months into the year, this thing called COVID would hit and turn everything upside down? And that for six months, and with no end in sight at this point, we would be dealing with a deadly virus and everything that has come with that. Things like quarantining and masking and social distancing and contact tracing and Zoom calling and online doctor's visits and Spanish classes and, and staff meetings and family reunions and weddings and worship services. During these six months, we felt called to focus on the specific sorts of issues and challenges that have surfaced specifically because of, of our being confronted with this virus, the faith questions, the fears, the societal issues that have come with that. But now, six months in, we feel like it's the right time to go back and to, to click the resume button and to pick up where we left off earlier in the year. So let me just pause first to orient you to the next several weeks and our fall kickoff. You know, as Michelle uh, mentioned, our staff and elders have been delivering loaves of bread to those who live in this area who are part of our church family. And I would just say, as Michelle did, wow, those visits have been incredibly rich and meaningful to us. And we hope to have all those visits done by the end of this week, although that will be a push for us. And then next Sunday and the Sunday after, we're going to be focusing specifically on our continued COVID calling, which you've heard us say every Sunday for the past six months, staying anchored to God, staying connected to God's people, staying faithful to God's call to live a life of love. So 
First, we'll be exploring some of the biblical underpinnings of those calls that God has put in front of us for this season. And then we're going to be getting really practical and talking about how you can experience more in each of those three areas and what we can do as a church to help you with that. But then for the rest of the year, we're going to be coming back to our January challenge. And we're going to continue to wrestle with and live more and more deeply into what it would mean for us to become known as a church that is known more for its love than for anything else. So this message this morning is our way of clicking the resume button. So back to those two key questions with which we began the year, and I began this message. What is the way we want to be known most in this community when people encounter us in the grocery store, at the gym, in the cafeteria, in the classroom? What do we want them to experience from us? Wouldn't it be our love? Not first our political affiliation or our faith convictions, but our warm welcome, our kind regard, our thoughtful questions, our acts of compassion. In other words, the love of God pouring through us to them. And if covenant were suddenly removed from the community, what is the thing we would most want to be missed for? Again, wouldn't it be our love? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to, to move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. And if I give away all I have and I, and I deliver my body to be burned for the sake of others, but have not love, I gain nothing. This is um, a really unpleasant reality. According to a new Barna poll, half of non-Christians have either a somewhat negative or a very negative view of evangelicals, of us. Our culture sees the church, especially, unfortunately, the evangelical church, as being in the bashing business. And we have done a lot to contribute to that impression. But we are not in the bashing business. We are in the love business. We're not in the morality entrenching business. We're not in the cultural change business. We're not in the nation reclaiming business. We're not in the church self-protecting business. Not first. We are in the love business. And if we can't do those things with love, then we shouldn't be doing them at all. There's such a tension here, obviously. Of course we want our neighbors to come to Christ. Of course we want our nation to be moral. Of course we want justice to be played out in our streets and cities. But as soon as we make our top priority getting our neighbor or our nation to be different rather than loving them first, then we start to alienate rather than to attract. And our neighbor and our nation will be more hesitant and less inclined to make the very change that we desire to see them make. I'm not saying that there's no truth and no justice. I'm just saying that for a follower of Christ, there can never be real truth or justice without love. So the love of the church in the world is part of how God reveals himself. 
It makes me think of the last line in the prayer that we were called at the beginning of the year to be praying together. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Do your neighbors know that you love them? Your coworkers know that you love them? Do your students know that you love them? Do the people who work for you know that you love them? Do the people you reply to on social media know that you love them? Do the people in your life who disagree with your views know that you love them? Do the people in your neighborhood who walk their dog in your yard know that you love them? Do the people in your life whose skin looks different than yours know that you love them? Do the nameless people who serve you as you go through the world, the people who wash down your grocery cart, the people ringing up your purchases, the people handing you your to-go meal, the people answering your questions on the phone about your bill, the people delivering your package, do they know that you love them? Let me share with you an interaction that I had a few weeks ago with a young woman that I'd never met before who was working at Starbucks. This story is about her, it's not about me. I just share it with you to remind you of the longing to be regarded and seen to be respected and loved that resides in the heart of every single person we will ever encounter. After waiting in an unusually long line for an unusually long time, I'm pretty sure the car in front of me ordered one of everything on the menu. I pulled up to the window. And I'll be honest, the, the time I spent in line was not time I really had, and at that point, um, I was a bit annoyed. But God gave me the grace in that moment to look past myself and to see her. So when I pulled up, the woman at the window was flurrying around, no eye contact, looking pretty stressed, half-done drinks everywhere surrounding her on the countertops. I said, how are you doing? Okay, she said. She sounded impatient and understandably preoccupied. Okay? She didn't look up. Okay is as good as it gets today. Her response wasn't cold, but it didn't exactly invite further conversation. I said, because... She turned and looked at me for the first time. Because some of our other stores are closed today and we are getting slammed with their customers. And those customers don't know why they're being kept waiting? Yeah, exactly. And then she spoke from her heart. She stopped what she was doing just for a moment. She came all the way up to the edge of the window and she said, and that's the downside of being in the service sector of our economy. I'm just viewed as being part of the machine and people lose sight of you as a person. 
Yeah, sometimes I'm startled by someone who actually acknowledges my humanity. Did you really just say, thank you? She handed me my drink. Thanks for serving me today. She smiled and she said, you're welcome. We have the one thing that this world really needs and longs for. The love of God. And God is asking us indiscriminately, lavishly, to put that love on display wherever we go. Imagine with me what it would be like if God's love were to find us more than to define us more than anything else as a people. If when we came into an interaction with another person, they had a sense that they truly came first, that we put them ahead of ourselves. If when we are with others, we become known for how well we ask questions and how attentively we listen, more concerned with hearing what is on their hearts than with what than with telling what is on ours. If when we finish a conversation with someone, even the most peripheral person, the person filling our order at the deli or dropping off the package at our door or waiting at our table, they feel that they are valued and worth acknowledging and pursuing. If when we have interactions with people whose racial or ethnic or national background is different from our own, they feel us going out of our way to cross the lines of difference and to move toward them. If when we have conversation with people whose morals and beliefs are starkly different from our own, they feel our deep acceptance and not our judgment. If when we come together, we think of our church not as a place where we go as a family, or excuse me, we think of our church not as a place where we go, but as a family that we are glad to be part of and eager to spend time with. If when we encounter friction or misunderstanding or hurt with one another, then we work it out quickly, in healthy and in gracious ways, and we go right on living and loving side by side, not letting our differences divide us. If when COVID restrictions are finally lifted and people are able to visit, the welcome they receive from us in our pews is so warm and the hospitality they receive in our homes is so genuine that our greeting ministry becomes redundant. If when we encounter need in this world, we walk toward it instead of away from it and we are generous and sacrificial in our response to it. And if when, we spend time, when people spend time with us because of the way that we put the love of God on display, they cannot help but ask, what is it about you that makes you different? Doesn't that sound inviting? I believe, we believe, that that is God's invitation to us. And as my friend's friend has noticed as he has threaded his way through this community, so many of you are already doing this so beautifully. You are being faithful to God's call to live a life of love. As Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that's the vision that we want once again to put before the church and to continue to live into. 
we have the one thing this, this world needs and longs for. It's the love of God. But sometimes we do a pretty good job of hiding that love. The arrival of the COVID virus was a huge surprise to all of us. Who could have guessed? But equally surprising is what has surfaced in us during this corona season. All of us have seen unpleasant things rising up in the people around us, and some of us are pausing long enough to notice those same things rising up in us, and what we're seeing isn't pretty. Up until this virus hit, it was pretty easy for us to live in the illusion of our goodness, of our virtue. This virus is exposing what is not good in us and why God came in the person of Jesus to rescue us from ourselves, to live among us, to die in our place, to secure our forgiveness, to reconcile us to God, and to begin the process of making us new, making us into the likeness of Christ that forgiveness and that new life is available to you today if you put your faith and trust in Christ. But Jesus taking up residence in a person and Jesus changing that person's life are two different things. For that change to take place and for us to become part of how the glory of God is put on display in our community requires costly, active cooperation with the work of the Spirit in us. And here's just one example of what that means for us now in this COVID season. Can you think of a time of greater societal division and tension? I mean, maybe we'd have to look all the way back to the 60s to see something comparable to what we're in the middle of now. I mean, think about this. We are divided over politics the crowning expression of our political freedom as a democracy, electing an individual to the office of president, has become reduced to a mud fight between three-year-olds. And many of us are joining right in, following their example. We are divided over the issue of inequity and injustice for blacks. And we're not only divided by race as a nation, but we're divided over how to respond to being divided by race. And we're divided over this virus. I mean, you think about this. The one thing that should be uniting us, the common enemy to the entire human race that we should be fighting against together has become something that we have let divide us, even here in the church. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of the circumcision. I am the, of the uncircumcision. I am of the masks. I am of the non-masks. God calls us to love each other and sometimes we can hardly look at each other. Here's why. This is the interaction matrix that our culture has trained us up into. And that finds deep resonance in our own sinful selves. First, find out which camp the other person is in. Political, racial, spiritual, covidical. And then respond accordingly. If they agree with you, move toward them, show them warmth and acceptance and love. If they disagree with you, pull back. Treat them with coldness and even scorn and rejection. God calls us to a radically different interaction matrix. Listen to Galatians 5, 6, a passage that Rob reminded me of earlier this week. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. 
Here's how the Christian interact, interaction matrix goes. First, love the person. Then, love the person. And then finally, love the person. Don't start by hoping you might end up by loving the person. If you can get that other person to agree with you, start there and stay there. Whether or not they ever agree with you, never stop loving them. Respect and honor them as persons created in the image of God and worthy of love and respect regardless of their opinion. What would it mean for us to become a church that is known more for its love than for anything else? Well, at some point during this week, I paused during my sermon prep. I looked over my 23 pages of notes about things that I wanted to share. And I just said, God, what do you want to say to your people? And immediately, this is what came to mind as clearly as if the woman in the Starbucks window had said them to me. Three things. I have sent you into this community on my behalf. I've put the light of my presence in you. And my desire is that I would be glorified, that my love would be made manifest and my reputation would increase through you. That's why we're here. We are his people who exist for his kingdom and his glory and the most strategic and basic and radical and non-negotiable way that we put God on display in this world is when we are faithful to God's call to live a life of love. What would happen if that was the deepest and most defining way that we thought of ourselves as a church? Isn't it possible that that would mean that the deepest and most defining way that our church came to see us was the same way. Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Philippians 1, 9, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, when people meet us wherever you send us, may they see you. Jesus, put your love on display through us.